Hello and welcome to the Powered by Rock podcast. We're going to be speaking with the Canadian punk rock band Trashed Ambulance today. These guys just put out their third full-length album, Future Considerations, after releasing two EPs and two LPs since 2014. This one is much different, in my opinion, for many reasons that we will be getting into. But suffice it to say, I absolutely love the album and I wanted to bring Josh and Ozone onto the show today to talk about the band, the music, and whatever else these polite Canadian gentlemen want to discuss. We'll get the sap straight from the source right after this. You're listening to the Powered by Rock podcast with your host, Isaac Kuhlman. The Powered by Rock podcast was created to help showcase some of the best rock musicians in the world and to pass on to future generations the rock music that has inspired rock bands around the world for decades. We want listeners to be able to hear great stories and life experiences directly from their favorite artists, as well as dig deeper into music theory and talk rock like no other show you've ever heard. This isn't about looking cool. It's about getting real and having a great time. Without further ado, let's start the show. Hello and welcome to the Powered by Rock podcast. I'm excited to be having our guests from Trashed Ambulance today as I have had some conversation with frontman Josh about their band over the last week or so. If there's one thing I've learned, it's that these guys, while they make awesome music, they likely, you know, they like to have fun and they don't take themselves too seriously. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. So let's kind of talk about what led you guys to getting into punk rock in the first place. As for most people in the world, they aren't too familiar with you know punk music in Canada, unless it's some 41. And no, I'm not going to talk about the Avril Lavigne starting punk rock or anything like that. Um, so what was, the, what was the reason you guys got into punk music in the first place? Who wants to go first? You, you, you go ahead. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I was born or grew up in northeastern Saskatchewan, Canada, which... I don't know if your your listeners will know where that is, or, but it's uh, basically <laughs> the woods. So, uh, but somehow the uh, provinces, right? Yeah, you bet. So, yeah, propaganda is from like, maybe eight or ten hours east of me. So, pretty much neighbors as far as Canada is concerned. Yeah. Just a quick dog sled away, and I was there. Um, yeah, I kind of came started like figuring out music that wasn't just on the radio when I was, you know, like everyone when you're. 10 or 11 or whatever and had an older brother that had like punk around and all those type of albums and he just put on yeah it must have been the first punk rama with you no know, bad religion and pennywise and rancid and all that and yeah I, I was very intrigued and then i i dove into it i never really outgrew it so yeah they even found yeah. us found us in the, the middle of nowhere in saskatchewan punk rock still found yeah us. uh yeah basically the same as josh i grew up on the east side of Canada, in Prince Edward Island, and I got a cassette or a CD, I don't remember, uh, from Tooth and Nail Records, song from the Penalty Box, Volume 3. I remember, I think it was like song two or three, a band Dogwood from San Diego came on, the song mm-hmm. Rest Assured, it was 45-minute banger song, and I'm like, wow, I've never heard that genre before, and I love it. <laughs> so, uh, and then they're like, Slick Shoes was on there, MXPX, all the yeah. old Christian Tooth and Nail bands, I'm like, sweet. And then uh, one of my buddies went to his house, and his older brother had, like, I don't know, it was probably however many albums, no effects, and EP they had out at the time he had there. So I'm like, oh, yeah, you like those bands? Go listen to this. And I'm, yeah, that's pretty sweet. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe that, a little raunchier I, than your tooth and nail records. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little, a little bit. A little different style, especially the early tooth and nail stuff where, like, it was heavily, like, 
Christian influence, like MXPX was still, you know, writing songs about God and stuff. Yeah, for sure. So, but yeah, yeah. I've had the conversation before about those compilation albums. I'm like, I don't know what the overall return on investment was for the companies that put them out, but I can tell you, especially people like the Midwest and even like East coast probably heard of more bands that way than they ever had by, you know, listening to radio or MTV or anything like that. Cause those just didn't exist. Like you didn't hear punk bands anywhere except for those compilation albums most of the time. And oh, they sure weren't coming to the middle of nowhere in Saskatchewan back then. Yeah. Well, I grew up in North Dakota and, and it was exactly oh. the same. Like, I think I saw real big fish in Fargo, North Dakota once. And I was like, this is the greatest thing that ever happened. <laughs> Trooper <laughs> came to my town twice. Did Americans know about Trooper? I don't think so. I've, I've never heard little, of them. But... Raise a little hell. Yeah. We're here for a good time, <laughs> not a long time. The boys rock band. And the bright white sports car. That's Maybe as a can- Canadian content. Maybe that's why they're so big in Canada and nobody else. <laughs> That's, yeah, well, like, it's funny because there's like bands from America that are big elsewhere that like you've never heard of in America. Like, I don't know. I can't think of anybody off the top of my head, but there's plenty of bands. Like, I want to say like, uh, I can't even think of anybody. But there's like a bunch of like prog rock bands that are big in like Europe and stuff that everybody here is like never heard of them, especially like heavy metal it. and stuff like that. But yeah. Hmm. So talking about you guys, obviously, as a band coming together. You guys have had some uh, lineup changes over the years, and I talked to you about this, Josh, but um, I know, Ozone, you've been pretty much everything in the band except for a lead singer at this point. Um, you've had people come and go, but what's kind of the current lineup? How did that get settled upon? How did you guys kind of come and go and, and deal with the you know, the, the switches in lineups and people coming in and out of the band over the years? Yeah, so this band was created kind of from the ashes of another band that Ozone and I were in called Chimp Change. So we spent all this money recording the brand new album and then Ozone moved to Dubai. So <laughs> <laughs> At the time I was like, oh, it's like one or one or none type of deal. So it was like, we need us all. So I'm like, oh, like it's not the same, but I end the band. And now I figured out that it's no matter how good your next band is, you're, you're starting from scratch. So like, there's people yeah. that just love Jim Change that don't even give trash to ambulance the time of day, right? And it's like, it's the same guys. Like, so we, because of that, you know, through all the member changes, people even for different reasons were like, as actually Ozone's like, we should keep the name, just keep the band and the songs. Like, especially as we're all creeping north of 35, you know, starting from scratch yeah. is not exactly the best scenario for us at this point. So yeah, as far as, as how this current um, formation of the band came, um, so we had a guy named Ryan that was one of the founding guys. He was playing drums for us for the first few albums and EPs. And then he decided he had enough of Alberta. His kids were old and uh, or older, graduated, didn't need him anymore. So he's like, screw it. I've always wanted to just go. Well, it's legal up here. I don't know. You're in Vegas. I don't know. Is marijuana legal there? Oh, it <laughs> is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they actually they just legalized marijuana lounges so you can smoke it like in the little pot dispensaries here. Oh crap! I don't even know if we have that up here. I've never heard of them. <laughs> but yeah, so he's he did that. That's so no no bad blood or anything. He's just like, ah, uh, guys, I'm, I'm moving to BC. So Ozone actually came on because we had we're about to hit the studio to record a EP. So he played drums on that. <clears throat> And then I think we did it for a while and then kind of went on a hiatus. 
and decided to get the band going again. And I knew a really good drummer who'd actually kind of auditioned for a while. And uh, I kind of figured instead of maybe it'd be easier to train Ozone on the bass than to try to find another bass player. He was like, oh, I never played bass in a band before, sure. So it's <laughs> basically how it did. And so, yeah, Ry or Riley was the guy yeah. that was on drums. So we were, we were stoked to lock him in, even though he's in 17 other bands in town. But he seems <laughs> to like the band. Not enough to and come on the podcast three piece, right? So it's, it's Ozone on bass, you're obviously guitar and lead, and then Riley on, on drums. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Yeah, I think with most bass players, it's usually like, hey, what – do you what can you play like obviously if you play guitar you can play you know the root notes of bass but do you want to play it and are you going to be able to do it for multiple years because that's always the uh the problem right like you get bored of shit with bass if you're not really a great bass player it's just like man this is like could could be the most boring instrument yeah i've played yeah, well, the bass player before i'm i'm really good friends with him he just he moved out of town too so him and i are still pretty close so i was like man like if you listen to the older albums, there's a lot of uh, basing on it. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, man, you gotta you gotta show me what you're doing here because I have no idea. So <laughs> it's, been, yeah. it's like, how do you get that sound? Good. How do you how do you get that that run there? I don't understand any of this stuff. Yeah. yeah. Before we went to the studio, I actually took all my gear to his house. I'm like, man, here to set my tone, and he did. He's like, yeah, yeah. you want the trash ambulance tone? Here you go. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, because you can have like that high, like the sound, or you can have like a like yeah. really really low bass right so for most punk it's like in the higher register so you kind of have that slapping twinging kind of sound off of it um, that's not easy to get piece. with a with a live bass setup yeah and this is the first lineup too i think correct me if i'm wrong that all three of us live within half an hour of each other so yes. it is convenient um to actually be able to jam weekly and and not say no to shows because i used to live about an hour and a half away and then yeah the old bass player lived two hours away so it was tough to even get jams and before a little tour we get together what three or four times <laughs> we get together once and be like yeah hey, let's play these songs we've been yeah. six months and go right so yeah. now it's you know every every week we jam at least right once so makes it a lot easier especially when you're writing an album to yeah. <laughs> be able to try the songs 20 times before we record them you know other albums yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, at an hour and a half, your tractor's going to run out of gas by that point. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Those, those the huskies are tired. Get, the huskies <laughs> are tired. Eat some food by <laughs> So I know, Josh, I know uh, in a comment to me, you mentioned that you guys have been previously labeled as a NoFX ripoff band. And I can obviously <laughs> see some of the comparisons, but uh, NoFX also sounded a lot like RKL, like I mentioned to you for many years. So for me, every band's kind of heavily influenced by a handful of bands. But to say you are like a knockoff or a ripoff of no effects, I think that's a little a step too far, in my opinion. Um, can you explain some of the influence and how you guys go about writing the music that, you know, obviously uh, maybe in Canada, they're like, you're the closest thing there is to no effects. So you guys are the no effects band <laughs> versus, you know, hey, you're the, in America. We're like, you're a Canadian punk band that happens to be influenced by no effects. Well, I, should, I guess I should say that, that a no effects comparison just kind of, I was used to be a lot more nasalier when I sang, yeah, kind of like Fat Mike. And uh, although I was also influenced by not his antics, but but his songs and singing of, of Ben Weasel, <laughs> he's not a role model by any stretch of the imagination. But <laughs> so yeah, when we were we went on a tour out east because we played that Puza Fest, 
and we yep. saw a lot of people obviously and everybody would always come up oh you guys you sound like just like no effects <laughs> and then at the time we just released a new album and all the reviews are like that like that so i was like i'm not even trying yeah. to sound like him so then i was very self-conscious about not singing so <laughs> on the next albums <laughs> Yeah. I don't know if I don't know if it's better or not, but we're trying. I'm trying. Well, I do want to bring that up because obviously, um, you know, well, well, let's get in. We'll get into that later. But I do want to bring up the vocal performance on the new album because I do think it's actually uh, a step in, in an improved direction. But let's actually dive into some of the other stuff about the album first, because, um, you know, for anybody who's like, oh, this is a knock a knockoff band or a no effects kind of band or whatever. I think future considerations actually going to blow the fucking minds of, off of people because <laughs> it's nothing like really anything that you guys have done before in the sense that I think it's step up in production, step up in writing, step up in pretty much everything, technical ability, all that stuff. And, um, you know, it's, it's by far out of the two or three albums. I think you've had three, but you only have two actually on the, uh, on the online, on the online streams and like a couple or two or three EPs, but um, it's going to be like, you're kind of setting a new standard for the band. Um, and it's kind of interesting, obviously most people don't get better when they get older. It's like, Oh, you know, it's like, you've had your best album was your second album and you're never going to be that good again or whatever. Right. So it's like (laughs) to get better and better as you're getting kind of older, obviously you're still younger than me, which is good. Um, can you explain (laughs) how this is going for you guys? What was the mindset like going into making these songs and recording and then, you know, obviously getting better at doing what you're doing. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think a lot of it, like, as far as production goes, like a lot of it in the earlier stuff is just done in my basement. DIYs can be. Yeah. And, you know, and those type of songs are just kind of like, I kind of came up with a song and we recorded it type of deal. Like wasn't a whole ton of collaboration until the bass player that was on mentioned, he would kind of go wild on the bass. But as far as the structure of the song, we didn't do a lot of that mainly because the guys, we weren't all living in the same city. We couldn't get together all the time to yeah, to really hash out. So uh, I mentioned before we were in that Chim Change, we went to Echo Bay Studio in Calgary, which is the drummer from Belvedere named Casey. He produced that album. And I think someone would agree we were not really prepared for that at all. Like we didn't even have some of the songs like completed, which I know isn't that uncommon. But it's when you're spending a lot of money, you learn pretty quick to you want to get good songs make sure you have them down like yeah as close as you possibly think they could be so this time with this new album like we i have a little studio so we demoed them all out exactly how we thought they should be and then we realized they were hard to sing so we down to them half a step so did them all again it's got them even tighter so then we actually put those all to to casey and then when it was time to go in we were kind of walking in, like we practiced the crap out of them. That's probably yeah. where and then we had, and then the producer has more time to like spice up the songs rather than you guys going to play this right. There was a lot of time wasting on our, on our side. Right. Like we, we were ready. We knew what we wanted. Yeah. And I was going to say, obviously working with Casey from, from Belvedere, I was just curious how he helped kind of shape the album. Cause you know, a good producer will tighten things up, shorten some stuff you know, maybe track out something a little bit longer that you might want to, you know, elaborate on. Uh, they can hear things that you can't hear because you're so close to the music, but what was his kind of perspective for you guys? And what did he kind of, kind of deliver on his end? We gave him free reign. But it was on take this one. We went in there. Okay. Yeah. We went in there. We're like straight up. We're like, man, like we, 
love everything you do basically take the reins on anything don't don't hold anything back if something doesn't sound right if you have any ideas don't hold back so so he basically even, said scrap everything you have and start over yeah yeah pretty much yeah <laughs> well there's one uh the first day it was just riley and i in the studio we tracked all the drums and the bass at the same time and then day two josh came down and i think the first song we started to do was blip on the radar and we played two notes and Casey just stopped. He's like, whatever you guys are playing just sounds terrible. He's like, what you are playing does not match at all. And I think it's because we had practiced so long and so hard and, you know, six months of practicing and demoing and demoing that it just, I don't know if our ears just got, I don't even get nose blind. They got ear blind, I guess. I don't know. And, uh, and uh, so we basically, the course of that song was completely different, you know, root notes than we went in there intending to play. So. Wouldn't that's your blind just example. be deaf? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, because I could hear them. I just didn't hear the sours. <laughs> really bad at being a musician? Yeah, that's something like that. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so, and then, yeah, once, you know, after we recorded, we basically told them to, you know, like, add any production stuff you want to add to this, like anything the songs need. Like, so there's tambourines in there, et cetera, et cetera. He may have played some guitar. We won't ever, we won't ever say that because he told us not to. But... <laughs> The drummer from another band helped helped you guys by playing guitar on your own album. That's how bad a guitar I am. <laughs> That's funny. Well, it's one of those things. Yeah. Like I, I always tell people, like the the hardest thing to do is actually record because you don't realize how many times you mess up until you get into a studio and then try to play it perfectly, and you're like, "That's fucking impossible. I can't play this perfectly, no matter how many times I try." You know what? I'll oh, say of all the times I've ever recorded, this is probably the most prepared all like everyone in the band was like Riley one take like most of the album like you know, yeah was... but I mean Casey's good at editing too so I don't like he got it close enough that he can make it sound cool and not like a yeah a robot doing it right yeah. so <laughs> kudos to us we were well, I also one of the purposely didn't put any solos on this album because I <laughs> <laughs> that cost too much money don't do solos <laughs> Bob told me that yeah. <laughs> and Bob I'll say one of the things that... saying, I don't know, large, whatever. Whoever said no solos on St. Anger. <laughs> I was gonna say the one thing that's kind of stayed consistent from this album versus past recordings is that you guys do put some funny songs to kind of break up the social commentary in there. Do you ever think that certain songs are good or bad for the band to release on an album? I mean, some people are gonna say, like, oh well, you know, you you have to perfectly craft a persona for a band, you know, have that brand that, that symbolizes the sound or whatever. And certain songs may skew that brand. I don't know. Like, I feel like you guys kind of thrive on bit on being a bit of a loose cannon and having that vibe in general, which I always find to be a fun way to go about recording music because in, in the end it makes like, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, just energy, right? Like you, you feel like you kind of know that band or you kind of, you know, interact with that band easier, but even the most confident bands can second guess themselves. And you were saying, you know, you were kind of self-aware of your voice. So I'm just curious if you guys ever think, you know, what songs or what others may think of songs before you actually put them onto an album. Yeah, I know uh, um, one of the songs I wrote for the album was, was uh, Echnolumba, so song number three. And I think I took that as a demo and it was like three minutes long. Mm -hmm. and it had a completely different course had a bunch of other parts and then i was just like you know what i absolutely hate this song so i scrapped it and josh's like well, why don't you just shorten it down and you know try again and then i did and i'm like i still hate it and we started jamming it live i'm like oh, okay i guess 
I guess it can stay on. But so I think that happens. I mean, I'm certainly no songwriter, but it's uh, if it can happen to me. <laughs> well, obviously, you're not good at making titles because you spelled ambulance backwards. <laughs> it's in the rearview mirror. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and did you have anything you want to add to that, Josh? Yeah, like you kind of mentioned, like, I guess we have a vibe. I was, and I kind of like in my 20s, listened to a lot of like the, you know, the Midwest. So I guess I don't know if that's where you were from, but you know, like the Dillinger 4, you know, uh, Dear Landlord style open beans, where they're kind of like, you know, life sucks, but let's party and make the most of it type of yeah. vibe. So I've kind of never really outgrown that. I'm not smart enough to, to write like Greg Graffin or anything. So leave that alone but uh, um as far as like we've done this the stupid silly songs and they're funny but i find oh there's not a lot of staying power with funny songs yeah you know, well i mean obviously on the new album you do have the uh you know the songs like um you know stock in the park for example where you have uh rob from the morons or i think that's how you pronounce it it's not the morons yeah and then uh emily from uh, the punk rockette, you know, obviously she, the social media influencer, um, singing on there. And it's, you know, it's a, kind of a joke song about a guy who's trashed at a, literally at a park who thinks that he's woken up and stumbled upon the woman of his dreams, but she's totally sober and hanging out with her kids at the park in the middle of the daytime. And, it, you know, that's kind of setting that imagery <laughs> okay, and that, telling that story. <laughs> it's pretty funny. And we sure lucked out getting the shitty Matt to do the video for us because. You didn't couldn't pick up on it from the from the words and the lyrics. <laughs> the video really yeah. plays it out for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's pretty cool. Like you know, most most songwriting kind of vaguely tells a story, and you kind of have to decipher it, right? Like most poetry and songwriting in general is kind of not clearly labeled, so that you can just read it from start to finish. But you know, some of your songs obviously do that, and then that's one of the good examples where it's like you don't have to be listening too intently to understand what's happening in that song. Yeah, for sure. It's actually funny, yeah. Rob. When Robbie first heard it, he he didn't realize that I literally meant merry-go-round. He thought it was like a metaphor. So he's like, "I don't understand this song." I'm like, what do you mean? Drunk <laughs> <laughs> of the park. Run over, uh, dude. I'm not. Uh, I'm not Edgar Allan oh, Poe here. <laughs> an actual merry-go-round. Well, speaking of the the, the guest uh, vocalist on the album, uh, how did these collaborations come about? Obviously, you got uh, you got Rob, you got Emily, you got Alex Goldfarb from Debt Collector, and Chris Kruger from Bring on the Storm. How did these come about, and why'd you let all these singers show you up on your own album? <laughs> Any minute where it's not me singing, it's like a net positive for the band. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess we can go through. Um, well, we needed a a female voice. And I'd met Emily when I was out east. She's just, I don't know if you, if you're into punk rock and you pay attention on the internet, you're gonna, <laughs> she's gonna pop up in your feed probably. Like she's, yeah, she's very involved, pretty good reach. So, um, yeah, we just asked her, and much to our surprise, she said sure, and did her recordings over in Quebec, sent them to Casey, and plopped them in there, and yeah, it was it was great to have a. I always wanted to do a duet like that. I was inspired yeah. by, like, you know, like the Pogues, their fairy tale in New York, and Mass Intruder more recently did a really good one. And even the Bouncing Souls have one from their uh, Hopeless Romantic album. So I just, yeah, it's always something in the back of my mind that I wanted to pull off, but girls don't like me. 
run away from me. So <laughs> took a while. Don't like me. I had to do a long distance. She's like, there's like five provinces between you. Yeah, so I'll, <laughs> I'll never get on stage with you. But no chance of actually stalking <laughs> in the park, right? Like it's got to be yeah. a, thousand, yeah. a thousand miles away. <laughs> yeah. I've got the ankle bracelet, so I can't go near. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say, Ever. all kidding aside, though, like the vocal performance that you have on this album is actually by far and away the best vocals. Uh, and I feel like you've finally managed to find that register and range that you kind of can stay within in order to, as you and 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 probably most people would know, it's going to sound too nasally at a higher range, which is super common with punk singers. I mean, Fat Mike did it. Ben Weasel did it. You know, lots of guys will stay up in that high register. Tom DeLong famously did it for Blink-182. Um, what is it about the, the recording process this time that kind of allowed you to tap into that? Or was it something else? Was it an accident? Well, like I said, we practiced the crap out of them and then we, we down-tuned. <laughs> that's, a, yeah. that's a godsend for bad singers. <laughs> well, at least you didn't have to auto-tune your own voice and have a robot Green Day did for it. you. Oh, Green Day did it on that. Yeah, that was it. And then, to be honest, like literally, sung certain parts and have you sing them back because I was like, I was actually one of the songs that Ozone wrote. I'm like, I can't sing this. He's like, follow my lead. <laughs> I literally did it line by line. And when it's actually singing, I can I can yell all right, but it's definitely I'm definitely not a yeah. super talented singer by any stretch of the imagination. Well, I don't think for punk music, that's the good thing about it is you don't have to be super talented. You just have to be committed and find your your own voice in the in the genre right so it doesn't i mean i think it sounds actually really good versus you know there's oh, there's you. i i still attribute my bad singing to tom DeLong and ben weasel being two of my <laughs> favorite you know singers back when i was in high school and i was like man i want to sing really high for the rest of my life huh and i did until <laughs> i got to be about 30 years old or whatever and decided to stop doing that <laughs> get back into it man yeah i still write every <laughs> once in a while it just takes you know so much other things to do in a day now i'm like oh i'm not, I'm not as nearly yeah, talented yeah. as as a musician as i am at other things so <laughs> but the uh i can choose yeah exactly this album also has obviously other other members of the the band singing lead vocals at some point in the album uh ozone i know that you you sing a, at least one song and then i know that riley sings at least a part in one song how has that kind of transformed some of the songs and is this the first time that you know, each of you guys have actually sung on lead vocals on any song, or is it just like for this project that's the first time? For this band, definitely first time. How'd you feel about it, Ozone? I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't mind. I don't like singing live, but when I'm in a studio and I can sit there and actually practice, I don't, I, yeah, I don't mind it at all. So, and I've, and like on the older albums, I do a lot of the harmonies and the, the Melvin yells. So, yeah, the gang uh, vocals and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't mind it. Yeah. I don't, I just don't really like singing live. So, I like jumping around and running around the stage and writing bass parts that are a little out of my zone, but I can't sing and play. So, even when we were actually some of the songs, I specifically said, like, I'm, I literally cannot sing any harmony or do anything at this part because <laughs> too focused on what my hands are doing. Too focused. Otherwise, you'll just be completely wrong notes. It'll sound terrible. So. <laughs> yeah, but I'm I mean, sure. practicing now for a year. It's get it's getting closer, and I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I could have. But <laughs> yeah. I think that's pretty common for a lot of people. If you want to, you know, you want to excel at the 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 singing part, or you want to excel at the instrumentation part, and only the really really talented people do both. And it's like, how the fuck can they do that? 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So. I'm like, how are you singing while playing something completely out of the the same tempo as what you're what you're playing? It makes no sense to me. Be a challenge. But yeah. <laughs> so. I have to ask, obviously, we talked about stock in the park. Now, it's again, it's just about a drunk guy. He's claiming he might have been spiked, you know, his drink might have been spiked. But, uh, you know, this the song in general, I feel like it's, it's hitting a little too close to home. Who's actually lived this real life experience? And, and how did you guys come about writing this song? Uh, I wrote these, this one. I kind of was telling, like hinting at them what my idea was. And they were like, I think I even sent them the lyrics first. And they were just like, what the heck is this? Like. And then I'm like, just, just, just hear me out. And then I recorded it, like my idea of how it should sound. And then they're like, okay, I get it now. And they're like, but uh, thought they might it's have not really about it. Even before you recorded it. What's that? I said they thought they were gonna have to call the cops on you even before you <laughs> recorded it. <laughs> yeah, the the actual story is not. Uh, it's more of like a conglomeration of all kinds of just between myself. I mean, I. Who among us hasn't woken up in a park or somewhere weird after a night of too much too much boozing? But I don't know. The, the older you get, too, like I have friends, you know, they'll be macking on someone, and you know, they'll find out they're you know, like mother of six, like not what they were looking for at all, and the woman was not into it at all. So just kind of that, kind of poking fun at how we're getting older and how it kind of gets a little sad, or if you're still partying like you're you were in high school you know so yeah so no it's not about any anybody in particular just kind of uh poking fun at getting older and you know it's not cute anymore to be the drunkest guy at the party when you're north of 35 (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) but it does make a funny song yeah for sure i mean i i've definitely seen some of my friends and one of my friends he was in his 20s at the time you know, went home with like a 55 year old who he was like, she's the hottest girl I've ever seen. I'm like, okay, whatever, dude, go ahead. <laughs> He's like, a grandpa yeah, now. We'll, we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> grandpa overnight. <laughs> but anyway, so I do want to talk about punk rock and Canadian punk rock for just a minute because it really does seem that punk is coming back around right now as everyone who ever seemingly has played in a punk band seems to be releasing new music or doing reunion tours this year. Do you guys feel like there is a new wave coming for punk music right now? I think that this is just what I've noticed. I may be way out to lunch, but I I kind of feel like it all kind of came from these uh, all these festivals that have been popping up. So bands that maybe it wasn't worth it for them to do just a standalone tour, maybe just because they have other commitments, they're older. Now they started doing these, I don't, don't want to say like nostalgia fests, but you know, like they start doing these fests where they get paid a good chunk of money. And they're like, oh, I, this is a lot of fun playing for big crowds. Like, I haven't done this since yeah. the 90s. So, and then as a result, you know, they're inspired. They make music. I mean, I think a lot of those bands have put out some pretty cool music, like, way after the fact. Like, Face to Face has had some good, good albums. Melon Collin did that really good album. When was that one? Oh, yeah. The True, True Brew or whatever. That was really good. So, I mean, I'm not going to name names. Some of them, I think, have kind of <laughs> mailed it in a bit. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I think a lot of them, I think you just can't really put out a crappy album anymore. I mean, you can, but not on purpose where you just have the one or two good songs. Like it's streaming. People aren't just going to buy your vinyl or your CD just because you have it. It's got to be yeah, at least half good. <laughs> can't just be the one 
the one single and that's it anymore. So, I mean, that I'm, I might be wrong, but that's kind of what I noticed is when there just kind of used to be a few different festivals. And now, you know, like you don't have, we're even starting to get a few in Alberta, but like, you know, Quebec, there's one every freaking weekend, like huge yeah. festivals. Yeah, I mean, they yeah. call it festival season now, right? So it's like you're either going on a North American tour through festivals or you're going to Europe and playing a bunch of festivals there, you know, and you'll play some little yeah. places in between, but it's like, you know, you got you got those anchor, anchor yeah, shows exactly. to, so, you know, you don't have to make a killing on these smaller shows because you got, so that that's kind of what I think kind of was, yeah. the, that's that's these bands coming back anyways. You know, effects yeah. better, those bands didn't go anywhere, but like the, Jughead's Revenge or 10 foot poles of the world that we're kind of not doing anything for a while. And then they've come back. That's, that's my explanation for it. Maybe Ozone has a different, a different view on it, but I think it makes sense. Ozone's like, figured it out. Let's hear this. I, th- I think it's easier too, for bands to work remotely, right? Like, yeah. so, and that leads into Josh's same point, right? So, you know, how, what was 20 years ago, you know, your member moves away, you break up. Yeah. That's not the case anymore, right? It might be now with uh, <laughs> air travel prices, but I mean, you can you can work on songs, you can write together, you can hang out online, doing whatever now, right? So, you can write an album and then go play all these festivals. Whereas twenty years ago, that nah, wasn't the case, right? So, yeah, you're just depressing re- me now because that's exactly why my band in high school broke up because we moved away to go to college, and I was like, well, I guess I'm not playing in a band anymore. <laughs> yeah, oh, exactly, right? Like, so. <laughs> I mean, and it stems from, I mean, I mean, music, I think is, you know, it goes in cycles. So <laughs> yeah. I mean, hopefully, hopefully it'll be another skate. I don't know if the skate punk's back to where it could be yet. Right. But there's certainly a lot more guitar on the radio than there used to be. So, yeah. And whether or not it's good, good guitar on the radio or not, doesn't seem to matter. Cause as long as it pulls the rest of the genre up and yeah. into the spotlight, that's all that really matters. And I just, I think even with streaming too, people just listen to more variety of music, right? Like yeah. back in the day, it seemed like, you know, you, you like rap or you like metal or you like punk or you liked hardcore or you liked EDM. I don't know. Whereas now it's like, I don't know. If you look at my, you know, Spotify save songs, I've got everything, right? Like, I don't think those are child friendly and we don't want to look at any of your search browser. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <don't> do that. <laughs> Now, but I get the point. I mean, it is, it's, it's easy because you don't have to go out and purchase an album. Now, if you got a Spotify account, you can go listen to anything for free, right? Like it's that $10 a month or whatever. So you can jump into different genres and find stuff that may not have fit your fancy, you know, from one song. Because to be honest with you, if ever a band puts out a song and it gets on the radio, it's likely not their best song. It's just a thing that is most kind of widely releasable to attract yeah. as many people as possible. Whereas kind of the, the people that might like a band like, you know, trash ambulance might hear stock in the park and go, Oh, sure. That's, you know, a novelty song or whatever, but you know, that's not kind of my, my thing, but then you go listen to the rest of the album and you'd be like, Holy shit, this whole album rocks, you know, from start to finish versus, you know, what the one song you heard and you're like, well, I'm not going to buy that album. Now you don't have to buy the album. You just go listen to whatever part of it you want to listen to, or, you know, try any other song on the album for free. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. See, I told you you figured it out. Yeah, he's not, he's not just the looks of the band, Josh. Well, we were very uh, we were very deliberately having a good mix of of uh, styles on this album, right? Without yeah. straying too far from the punk rock path, like we didn't have a I'd say we didn't have a power ballad, but we did do that with the side projects. <laughs> Send you the link. 
<laughs> full on 80s hair metal power ballad. That's but, funny. Uh, yeah, so we we didn't want to just put a whole bunch of you know the just a whole album of that. That's wasn't really what yeah. we wanted to do. So yeah, we, uh, I kind of get to sick of variety. Variety. I was gonna say I kind of get sick of a band playing kind of same song over and over again, and then doing that for like 10, 15 years straight. I'm like, holy shit! Like, can you at least yeah. chop some of this up? Like, work with a different producer <laughs> or something to kind of give us some variety because pretty stale now. But yeah, I, I know exactly what yeah. you mean. I will say, obviously, Anyways, Canada, has it covered. We didn't need to do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Canada, seem, Canada seem to be riding that wave pretty heavy as well with a lot of new music from punk bands across the Great White North. Uh, what do you guys think about Canada stepping up for punk my, punk music right now? <laughs> but even on the label that we're on, right? Like, there's some freaking heavy hitters on, on our label. Yeah. Maybe you can name them, Ozone. <laughs> well, I mean, my one of my favorite bands in Canada is the core of the Vancouver. So, I mean, I don't know when they, they signed the same label as us, but I mean, before uh, some of the members were, were touring with uh, the real McKenzie's and he just gave us a, a demo of his band or not a demo. I guess it was an EP of his band at the time. This is awesome. I remember listening to it on the eight hour drive on repeat. It was only five songs probably listening to it like 50 times. So it was, uh, so then they, yeah, couldn't they figure out how to, how to change it. How to change it? Maybe I don't know. But I, it, I didn't mute it though. <laughs> and it's good to see bands like you know Belvedere. You know they've been touring Europe consistently, right? So, you know, putting out new albums. So, yes, definitely stepping up the game. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, I know that you guys are going to do a little bit of. Calgary. Oh yeah, yeah. Bring on the storm, yeah. Yeah. So I was so going to say you guys are doing Chris a little bit of touring. Out. Yeah, for the last song. Yeah. Sing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to say you guys are now touring a little bit to help promote this album. Obviously by the time this episode comes out, the tour might be over, but I just want people to understand, obviously not only do you guys have all have families, jobs, you know, obviously to support the music endeavor, but Canada and North America in general are a big ass place, you know, so you guys are not exactly in like a sprawling metropolis area up there. So how do you guys view touring and do you have plans for longer tours that might go across other provinces or across the country or even dip into the United States at all? We're not against it. Like you said, like, especially the Prairie provinces, they're, they're very, it's very vast. You know, if yeah. you want to go to Saskatoon, Saskatchewan to, to Winnipeg, I don't, I think it's like eight hour drive or something like that's a lot of driving. Yeah. And gas is like, well, $2 a liter. I don't know what that would be in, in gallons or whatever. You guys gallon, do roughly, yeah. yeah. It's, it's not cheap. So like, we don't have big guarantees at our shows, you know, usually just door splits or people are generous. So promise us a little bit of money and free, free meals and beer. But so, yeah, we kind of just hit up around us. I mean, there's a few major cities around us. We got Calgary, Edmonton, so we can hit those places up quite a few times in a year without them getting yeah. sick of us where we <laughs> live. There's a hundred thousand people. There's a couple other cities like that in, in our process. So, we are planning on heading west to BC for a few few shows, but as far as the states, I think it's kind of a pain to get your visas and stuff for Canadian bands. At least I've heard that. I don't know. I've never really tried. We've also yeah. never been asked to go down there, besides the odd <laughs> Facebook comment. Come to Boise, Idaho. Sure, man. Yeah. Why haven't you come to Brazil? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> You're the only one that's ever heard of us from Brazil. <laughs> Do you want to pay yeah, for our tickets? Be... Sure. Yeah. <laughs> 
it'd be worthwhile if we could hop on, you know, I'd love to go on, you know, a Europe tour, if we can hop on, you know, with a bigger band right now, but it just, I mean, if we did it ourselves right now, it'd basically be a, a paid vacation as long as we want, that we'd probably <laughs> lose way more money right there, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that makes it tough when you have families and stuff, right? Taking yeah, all exactly. That time off, spending all that money and not taking the kids to Disney World is <laughs> yeah. a hard one to, to sell. It's yeah, I think, I think it's kind of like, Trying to remain a, an adult child is kind of what I think uh, me and Tim Casher from Cursive kind of decided upon is that you have to act like a grown child to be in a band past 30. Yeah. <laughs> yeah kinda, and I mean, we have friends that kind of do that, like full on commit, right? And they'll, they'll tour across the country and yeah, we're, we're envious, but we're also princesses who like our own beds and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not pooping in weird places. <laughs> that, that happened here <laughs> that's true I was, I was like i can't make it out of the front door before i have to find the next bathroom on the, on the highway. <laughs> you were you watching me this weekend whoa <laughs> so have Even i missed anything else that you guys are kind of looking forward to in the next few months are you guys i think you guys are are you playing a festival or is it just the kind of mini tour that you guys have put together yeah there's there is a, a festival uh so called sonar so it's uh yeah we're playing it uh a couple of our side project bands are also playing it and then a bunch of other you know local bands so josh and i actually run a, a record label on the side so um got, you can you can promote the record label you don't have to say what you don't have yeah. to like hide or anything what's yeah. what's the name of it uh, yeah high end denim records so high end so yeah so there's a couple of those bands playing as well so yeah that should be a good so the only way to make festivals worth it for you guys is to play every single slot or have a a, you know some sort of vested interest (laughs) in every band on the slots right (laughs) honestly it's just gonna be a there's a bunch of our friends playing it's just gonna be like a a bro down like it's actually all ages too so like you wanted to you could bring your kids and that's one thing that we we just did last weekend is played our first all ages show in a long time. And it was cool to see you know young kids just moshing and having a good time. It kind of it's inspiring, you know. Like yeah, everybody and complains it's, it's about the next generation, and it's like you know what they're just screwed up kids like we were. <laughs> That's just yeah, exactly. It's just therapy. I don't think that because they don't get exposure to punk music like we used to. You know, because you, when I was in high school, I was always searching for something that I like to listen to. And it was quite hard because the radio was like Billy Joel and Madonna. And I'm like, I don't want to listen to this stuff. Not again, anything against Billy Joel. I think he's a great guy. The piano man is awesome. But, uh, you know, it wasn't, I was never going to be Billy Joel, right? Like, I was never going to be that good at piano, never good at singing. <laughs> so I was like, let's find something else. And then obviously Green Day, you know, all these other bands started coming out, Rancid. And, and I was like, well, I can kind of pull this off. Like this is way easier than trying to figure out how to play piano man or, you know, anything that Billy Joel's ever done. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, for sure. So but, I but uh, say, well, to that point, uh, but now that since we're older, our kids are getting older. So they're, it doesn't matter how cool your parents are. They're still, you're still going to think they're dorky, but I got lots of friends that their kids actually love punk because they were kind of brainwashed. Yeah. <laughs> they don't know any better but bands like me first thinking they give me selfs with that you know yeah covers of the, the covers kids songs and stuff yep you can kind of get their feet wet with those and then 
then hit them with the dead Kennedys when they get older. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bad brains and all this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a good point because I think, you know, obviously my dad obviously was, you know, a child of the 60s and 70s. So he was all about classic rock. And when, when I grew up, that's when he played Beatles, Led Zeppelin, Rush, all that kind of stuff, Pink Floyd. And still Pink Floyd's my still favorite band of all time obviously not punk at all but you know that's i don't think any band's ever going to be as talented as pink floyd ever was but now i had to find my own music and it wasn't going to be classic rock because classic rock stopped existing in like 1981 and then it just changed into like (laughs) hair metal and like pop rock that was like you know ballad style like journey and def leppard and all those kinds of bands and i was like well that's not exactly my thing either that's more my mom's thing she likes to listen to richard marks and all this soft listening so I had to go find my own stuff. And then that's when I kind of found punk music and ska and all that stuff. So I think you're right. You know, you're going to get influenced by your parents' music, whether or not you find it as your own or not, you'll find things that you like within that genre for sure. And then you'll move on to some other stuff that your parents don't even quite get yet. hundred percent. Yeah. Yep. Do you guys know the guess who down in America? The guess who? Yeah. That was my dad's favorite band. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, we yeah I guess their big song was American Woman, so. Yeah, yep, exactly. It wasn't so very not as big as American Woman, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Lenny Kravitz covered that song like 15, 20 years oh. later, so that kind of helped as well. <laughs> His version was so bad, though. Compared <laughs> to the, you know. Yeah, well, don't tell Sorry, Lenny, Lenny Kravitz that. <laughs> <laughs> I, ever see him, I, I loved your daughter in the Batman movie, though. Yeah. She killed it. <laughs> I think that's his daughter. Zoe, yeah, oh. it's his daughter. Yeah. Anyway, so I was going to say, we'll add some links to the to the music in the notes below, obviously, the, the episode here. Do you have anything else you'd like to plug or anything you want to say to listeners or anyone that has yet to find you before we go today? Uh, <laughs> thanks for having us on, man. Thanks for anyone who actually gives a good good gosh darn about our music. Like, I mean, <laughs> obviously, we haven't made it. We're 36, but I mean, we're have a lot of fun we we keep it stress free i mean we take it seriously in the way that like it was on savvy jam once a week we play as much as we can we don't want to put a crappy music or suck on stage but yeah it's been a lot of fun and if you have any cool opportunities like maybe taking us to japan or something we'd, we'd be into that yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or to vegas we'll play punk rock bowling yeah for sure oh, that'd yeah, be awesome it's only your ripoff, your backyard. <laughs> it's only ten months away or so. So yeah, I think you're, I think you're on schedule for now. We'll see what happens. Yeah, Sternbro. They could just make it like a seven day <laughs> festival and, and have everybody from Canada that's releasing an album this year come down. That'd be a good festival. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey Isaac, is the punk rock museum in Vegas open yet? That that Mike was doing. No, or? it started construction. It's kind of got like the the i guess the structure being built inside but it, it doesn't even have walls yet as far as i know like they, they're kind of like sectioning off stuff so you can have like mini areas for each thing uh, but as far as i know it, it like from what i've seen from the instagram stuff it's not even close it's probably going to be another four months at least away so when they say it's on, open in 2022 it's probably christmas day or maybe new year's <laughs> eve <laughs> there we go that's our plan <laughs> And then I'll say one last question before Flying we sign down off. South, escaping yeah. in these prairie winters. Yeah, exactly. It's not much warmer here, to be honest with you, in, in like December, January. But I mean, it is much warmer, but it's not that warm. <laughs> you'd be surprised. 
it's like it's in the 30s so like zero degrees celsius which kind of sucks but um it's not minus temperatures usually but i will say one thing before we sign off is recommend one band that people should check out before we go today and i'll give each one of you guys a shot well let's just go with some of our some of the guys on our our label let's give them a shout out so yeah i'll just go with bring on the storm our buddies in calgary they put out a pretty sweet what is it four or five song ep i think it's four songs yeah it sounds amazing and they can shred so they deserve they deserve some hype I guess all our other friends are going to be mad that I said them. Check out the Maroons <laughs> sessions. Every other band. Sounds good. I, I, uh, I've been really into the, I had to look up their name, so I'm obviously not into it, but enough that I, I saved all the songs. They're called Strike Again, and they're from Tokyo. Okay. And I think I think it was Josh. He sent me them, a, I don't know, like a month ago. Or And they have, I think, an album and a couple EPs, and I listen to them all day. Oh. I'm like, wow, this oh, yeah. is really really good and uh i honestly kind of forgot about them and then this morning when i got to work i just put on shuffle and then the first song that came on again was one of the one of the tracks and i actually had to stop what i was doing and go back i'm like this song is so good what is and it was strike again so i'm telling you that just more so that i don't forget about them again but yeah they're really <laughs> they're, no, they're awesome i think they're their last strike album last year so. bring us out to japan to buddies sh- you have to strike yourself to remember the name. That's again. Sorry. Strike yourself again to remember the name again. Oh, very cool. So awesome, guys. I want to thank you so much for being here. Obviously, Josh and Ozone from Trash Ambulance for being on the show. Make sure to go check out the show notes below this episode to see their to listen to their music because they are absolutely awesome and they're going to be doing some really big things soon, hopefully, like coming to Punk Rock Bowling. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Let's get some other festivals to kind of bring you guys down to the States as well. Remember, the Powered by Rock podcast is powered by our listeners. If you want to show us support, please be sure to subscribe and share the podcast on social media. You can also make a donation to the podcast to help keeping to help us keep making some awesome episodes with awesome guests. You can find that link in the notes as well. You can see the full interview on our YouTube channel and on Spotify now as well. If you want to check out some of our articles, album reviews, lists, and interviews, go to poweredbyrock.com to read our absolutely free rocking blog and also find our merch and gear so that you can pick up some items to play and look like a rock legend. That's our show for today. We'll see you soon for the next episode. Until then, rock on. What was supposed to be?